I've entitled this message, Take Me to Church. It's the value of gathering together. Take me to church. I want to go to church. You know, we think about it. Tonight, where we could be, we could probably be who knows where, but we're in the house of God. And I believe that this individuals, there's some people here today, they, you might have come in a little tired. You might have come in a little weary. The day might have been long. You know, you might have uh, just had a, a long, hot day working out in the heat and, and the opportunity to maybe stay home crossed your mind, but you made it into the house of God tonight. You, you came into the presence of God. Uh, baby, you just been, uh, since, uh, since Sunday, you've been thinking like, I can't wait to get back into the house of God. You've gone through some trials. You've maybe have gone through some struggles. Uh, and, and yet here you are in the presence of God amongst the people of God being refreshed, uh, being encouraged, uh, being rejuvenated. You're at the midweek uh, point, uh, and you can face the next couple of days like a champ, victorious in the things of God because you're in the house of God tonight. Maybe you've been battling some devils. Maybe you're battling devils on the 405 freeway today. You know what I'm talking about, right? The battle is real. Maybe you have been going through some things. Maybe you know that the enemy has been coming against you and has been coming against your family, has been coming against your health, uh, has been coming against your walk with Christ, uh, and yet you've got the victory over him tonight because you made it into the house of God. You made it into the presence of God. You made it amongst the people of God. See, the Bible likens the Christian to a soldier. We hear verses we read verses like endure hardship as a good soldier put on the full armor of god withstand the enemy wage a good warfare because that's what soldiers do right is they fight they fight in battles and they fight in wars and sometimes the battle can be long and it can be difficult and it can be intense and you, you can feel the, the assault, and you can feel just that battle weariness. But you come into the house of God, and your commander-in-chief Jesus is waiting for you. And he's waiting to strengthen you. And he's waiting to encourage you. And he's waiting to equip you what you need to get back out into that battlefield. To not grow weary, to not grow tired, to not give up and not give in. But get on out there, soldier. There's a mission for you. Truth is, is each and every one of us is in some kind of battle or, or another. This world right now, I think if the past two years have shown us that this world is no longer the same. It's changed over the past couple of years. There are wars going on, and there's rumors of wars. There's volcanoes and earthquakes that have been going off, and signs and wonders in the heavens, and we realize and know and understand that, uh, that God is doing something. Although the world might feel shaky and confused and chaotic and uncertain, it's not so for the, king, for, the, for the child of God. For the child of God, we know exactly what's taking place. For the child of God, we know that Jesus is going to come back. For the child of God, all of this was already written in the Bible that we read, uh, that Jesus is preparing to come back uh, victorious for his church. Take me to church. Take me to church. The book of Hebrews 
chapter 10, verse 24 through 26. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And, that, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. See, even in the times of the Apostle Paul, there was people that maybe might have pulled back and not made it faithfully to a, a service. He says, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. And that's what I hope to do to you tonight is to encourage you especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I tell you what, the pandemic did change some things. Changed the world, that's for sure. And I'm not talking about just the world that we live in, but it changed the world globally. You know, the way it changed people, it changed countries, it changed leaders. It changed the, the way we work and the, the way we go to school. And it even changed, uh, for some of us, the way we might uh, go to church or attend church. During the shutdowns of uh, the 2020 pandemic, it was estimated that one in five churches, they faced the threat of shutting down permanently. One in five churches. Think about that. A 2021 article from the website uh, Governing, it's not a, it's not a uh, religious website. It's a website about municipalities and, and cities and, and govern, governing. And it said this, that the next few years could see as many, this is their prediction, as many as 100,000 of the nation's estimated 380,000-something-plus uh, 380, uh, churches and houses of worship uh, uh, that they might be uh, in, in danger of closing. So 100,000 out of the 380,000 churches. That's, think about that. Think about that. Churches closing, houses of worship closing down, the doors closing. What might have been a uh, vital resource for the community, what might have been a, a place of gathering, a place of safety, and a place of, of refuge for so many families, they look at the threat of those doors closing permanently. Reason for some of these closings, obviously it's the pandemic and the ramifications of the decisions made during the pandemic. It, it's also uh, the cost of maintaining a property. Uh, it's become too expensive, especially when people aren't coming. People are pulling back. They're holding on to their resources. Another reason has been lack of religious affiliation. In a 2021 uh, Gallup poll, March Gallup poll, it said over the past two decades, the past 20 years, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown. It was at 8% in 2000, 13% in 2010, and over the past three years, that percentage has gone up to 21%. 21% of Americans that they say they do not affiliate or identify with any kind of religion. That same... 2021 Gallup poll, it said this, it says, the biggest reason for church uh, closings is the decline in church membership. Fewer than half, or 47% of Americans, say they belong to a church or synagogue or mosque is down from more than 70% in, in uh, 2000. What it's basically saying what it's basically trying to get across 
is that, simply put, people have lost the value of being in church. They have lost the value of church attendance. They've lost the value of coming into a place uh, to meet God. They've lost the value of coming amongst like-minded brothers and sisters and worshiping God. They've lost the value for what the house of God offers, not only to them and their community, but also their families. They've prioritized something else. Being in the house of God has no longer been a priority in their lives. It's been taking place by something else. You know, it's here in the house of God where we corporately come together into the presence of God. It's here in the house of God that uh, we agree with one another we come together in agreement uh, and say, I'll back you up. Uh, you've got a prayer request, I'll, I'll back you up. Uh, you've got an, an issue you're struggling with, I'll stand with you. It's here in the house of God where, where uh, we can come together collectively and bear one another's burdens. Every first Friday of the month, we have Prayer Central. Prayer Central, where we come in for about an hour and a half, and we praise and we seek and we pray God, seek God and we pray to him. And in that uh, time, there's a time where people will lift their hands and they'll say, uh, I have a prayer request. Uh, can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for my son? Can you pray for my coworker? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for that I get a job? Can you pray that a door open? They have prayer requests and there's brothers and sisters here that I say, I'm going to stand in agreement with you and lift you up in prayer. And you know what happens? Uh, there, it's here in the house of God where we're able to hear the testimonies of victory. You help pray for me, I got that job. You help pray for my son and my daughter, they're here in the house of God. You help pray for my coworker, he's serving God now. You prayed for my sick aunt, and guess what? She's healed. And we rejoice with those individuals. But it's here in the house of God where we hear those testimonies, those, those praise reports. It's here in the house of God where we laugh and cry with one another. Where we can come together and praise and worship together the same God, the same risen Savior, the same Lord, the same kings, the same one that worked the miracle in my life, that worked the miracle in your life, the same God that parted the Red Seas, the same God that rose individuals from the dead. We get to come in and worship and praise God together. The same God that promises us hope, Eternal life that promises us he'll never leave us and forsake us. It's here in the house of God that we get together and, and, and worship him. Take me to church, somebody. See, I know God isn't limited to a church building to move. He's not limited to a Wednesday night or Sunday morning church service. God will move anywhere. He'll move at your job. He'll move at your school. He'll move in your living room. He'll move on a street corner. God is not limited. I remember a, a time where we were outreaching in Long Beach. The trailer was going by, and Brother Timba back there and I, we were kind of behind. And this guy came out, and he says, what's all the commotion about? What's, what's going on? And 
we just began to tell them about Jesus and who we are, what we're there to do, lift up the name of Jesus. And we offered to pray with the individual. We prayed with him, and he put his hands in his pocket, and he takes out his, his dope kit, and he's looking at it. And he bends his spoon, and he gets the cotton, and he puts it on the ground, and he steps on it. And Man, what took place? Remember, Timba? What took place? God did a miracle in this individual's life, man. But let me tell you what the key was, because I was thinking about it. The key was not that the Brother Timba and I were able to pray with him and, and lead him. We were just the, the beneficiaries of what had taken place. The people of God gathered together. The people of God were moving in one bind and one accord down that Long Beach City Street, praising and lifting up the name of Jesus. The people of God saw the importance of getting together and establishing the presence of God there in that city street, and a man was touched. How much more in the house of God? When we come in at 6 o'clock and get into that prayer room and begin to ask God to move. When we come in and service starts at 7 and the band begins to play and the presence of God is ushered in and all of a sudden, man, miracles begin to take place. There at your seat. Whatever you might have been wrestling with, all of a sudden seems to just dissipate. It's not even a big deal anymore in the light of God's glory, right? God moves. God moves when his followers get together. See, the church, the universal church of Jesus Christ, it was birthed because the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were instructed to gather together. God moves when we gather together. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. This is Jesus speaking. Until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a, just a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In verse 14, John, Keep going down. It says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. And if you go into the next chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All believers meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house. It filled the house where they were meeting, where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It goes on that the... Uh, Apostle Peter, he goes on to preach the sermon of his life. He goes on to preach the, the word of God. And the Bible says uh, 3,000 souls, 3,000 souls come to repentance, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, come to have a born-again experience. Why? Because the disciples gathered in one place. Because they went to church. And what was birth? Uh, was a move of God that to this day is still moving. 
And I tell you what, church, uh, I don't want to be part of a generation that's, that sees the stop of the, of, the, of the expansion of the kingdom of God. I want to see revival. I want to see revival in my home. I want to see revival in my marriage. I want to see revival in the lives of my children. I want to see revival in this community. I want to see revival in this state, in this country. I want to see people coming in to the house of God with their families, with their children, with their spouses. That's what excites me. And I believe that God wants to see that as well. And I believe that God wants to, to move upon his church. But we have to remember and recognize the value in gathering together. The value in being amongst one another. God is still God. He's still healing the sick. He's still making the blind see, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. Just like that song we just sang a few minutes ago, he's still moving mountains. He's still working miracles. Uh, he's not done. He's still at work in each and every one of our lives, and he's at work even now in this world. Don't stop. You believe in God for a breakthrough? You believe in God to answer those prayers? You believe in God to, to stay faithful to the promises that he's given you? Don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fasting. Don't stop believing. Don't stop holding on to that word. And don't stop coming to church. Don't stop getting through these front doors. The Bible says you shall receive power. Power, the word says. You want power to break the chains of, of sin and bondage? Get through these doors. Come to church, man. You want power in your, in your marriage? You want power in your family? Get through these doors. Come to church, man. You want power to break addictions and generational curses in your family? Get through these doors right here. My church, Brother Manny, I can have a relationship with God outside of church. I hope we should. Each and every one of us should. But I tell you what, though, it's, it's at church. It's when we come together. It's when we come into the presence of God that God is here. God is in this place, that the Spirit of the Lord is here, and he's moving, and he's ministering. And what does the Bible say? That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. You know what else is? There's protection. See, there's protection in gathering together. You've heard that old saying, right? There's safety in numbers. Book of Proverbs 11, uh, 14, it says, In the multitude of counselors or advisors, there is safety. Tell you what, you might be going through something and unsure of a decision that you might uh, have to make, and, and, you're, and you're wondering. And there's, there's wise individuals here. There's men and women that have seasoned and been around and learned some things and experienced some things that love you, want the best for you, and have your welfare in mind when giving you words of encouragement. Strategy of the enemy, though, is to get you to pull back. Strategy of the enemy is to get you to isolate yourself, to begin to drift off. I believe that uh, we can learn a lot from, from nature by studying and watching how animals or 
things in nature. I believe God shows, gives these, these examples. And one example is about the zebra. And a zebra in the wild has many predators. But the primary predator of the zebra is the lion. And a zebra in the wild is no match for the lion. The lion will be stronger. The lion will be faster. And there's times where the lion will even be smarter than the zebra. But one thing that the zebra has an advantage of is that the lion is colorblind. And that's why God gave this zebra black and white stripes to help him camouflage himself uh, even in the midst of uh, brown grass or green grass. For a lion, it's hard for him to see a zebra that is standing still or grazing, not bringing attention to itself. Those stripes, they create an optical illusion that causes their natural enemies to be confused. But interesting enough is that those same patterns and those same stripes, they're unique to every zebra. No two zebras have the same patterns. No two zebras have the same stripes. And they can see their stripes, and they can identify one another. And they say, I know who this is. It's my cousin. Right? And you know, we got stripes and markings on us. It's what the Spirit of God has marked us, that we belong to God, that we belong to the Most High God. And, and when we come across another brother and sister, say, I know him. That's my brother. I know him. That's my, I know her. That's my sister. It says, but the most significant means of protection has to do with the zebra herds, their pack. Zebras usually travel in large groups in which they stay close to one another. And even with their camouflage pattern, it's highly unlikely that a large gathering of zebras would be able to escape a lion's notice. But their stripes help them use this large size to their advantage. When all the zebras keep together as a big group, the pattern of uh, each zebra's stripes blends in with the stripes of the zebras around it. They all mesh together. This is confusing to the lion who sees a large moving striped mass instead of individual zebras. The lion has trouble picking out any one zebra, and, it, and, and so it doesn't have a good plan of attack. It's hard for the lion to even recognize which way the zebra uh, is moving. It's the lion's inability to distinguish zebras also makes it more difficult for it to target and track the zebras that are in a herd. Their safety, as long as they're in that pack. But it's when a zebra begins to move away from that pack. It's when he isolates himself. It's when he's moving around and he's not with his community that now the lion is able to see him. And now the lion is able to distinguish him. And now the lion is able to say, there he is. And the further he gets from his pack, the further he gets from his group, the further he gets from his crew, the better chance I have of coming in and, and laying down my attack and my hunt. And it happens to you and I, church, when we think that we can pull back, when we think that we don't need the fellowship of believers, when we think that we don't need to be in the presence and in the house of God, there's that lion roaming around, seeking whom he may devour, just waiting, waiting till we get far enough behind where he can launch his attack. And he launches it in the way of our thinking. Subtly begins to creep in, begins to deceive us, and his ultimate goal 
is to take us out of the things of God. But I tell you, though, when we're gathered together as one body, one mind, and one accord, and we're all moving in the same direction, and we're flowing in the jet stream of the Holy Spirit, uh, and we're building each other up, and we're in, in that unity, man. And the enemy has a hard time, man, because he can try to come against one, and you'll see people rallying around them and saying, we're going to stand with you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to believe God to get you through whatever it is you're going through. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be, can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The scripture here is emphasizing that there, the danger in being alone, the danger in isolating yourself, the danger of being by yourself in terms of pulling away from the things of God. See, when Peter pulled back, the enemy lied to him. And even though Peter walked and he talked and he fellowship and he ministered alongside of, with Jesus, he, he denied him, cursed him, and, and said, I don't know him. I swear I don't know him. The enemy, he lied to Demas. Demas was a co-laborer with the Apostle Paul, uh, along with uh, Mark and Luke. They labored throughout Rome with one another. And in the time the uh, Apostle Paul needed him the most, uh, in his, one of his darkest hours, Demas, the Bible says, forsook the Apostle Paul. He said, Demas has forsaken me. He's abandoned me. He's deserted me. The enemy, he lied to Alexander the coppersmith. Uh, the Bible says that, that in 2 Timothy, Paul was saying that, um, in fact, Alexander the coppersmith did the Apostle Paul much harm. And he was worried about the church and the harm that he might have been bringing into the church because he warned the believers and he said to be careful around him. These two individuals that Paul mentioned, at one point they were active members in the body of Christ. But somewhere along the line, they took their focus off of Jesus. They, put their, they took their focus off of Jesus and they put it on fill in the blank. And that's what happens when we take our focus off of Jesus. We're going to focus on something else. Different worldviews or politics or, or you name it. And all of this, uh, it, it's, it's designed to get us away from our true source, from our, our living fountain, from our healer, our provider, our everything. And to get us to begin to look uh, in other places uh, and in other wells. When Christ is no longer your priority, well, something else will be. I, I think that there's times where um, I'll run into you know, people that uh, might have backslidden, you know, might have left, and, and, and it happens, and we pray for backsliders, and we pray for those who might have left that, you know, our doors are open, and our, so, are our, so are our arms. 
And sometimes people come up and they'll say, hey, how you doing, Manny? How's the church? It's probably one, to be, like, one of the first questions, you know, and how so-and-so. And then there's sometimes where they'll see me and then they'll just kind of duck. Right? And I know it's not me. I don't take it personally. I, I know it's who I represent. You know, and, and I know I represent a time in their lives when they were serving God, when they were active, uh, and they were in the body, and they were serving, and they were in fellowship with God. And something somewhere along the line, they began to pull back and, and, and to see someone that they used to fellowship with reminds them. It reminds them that they had at one time an, a, a, a walk with God. Paul, he, he, one thing that we see in his life is that Paul, you don't see him quit because he was offended. You don't see him quit because he was done harm. You don't see him quit because uh, he was forsaken. And you don't see the church of God all of a sudden just say, well, we can't go on now. You still see them moving on and pressing on and pressing on. And that's what we're called to do is press on and press on and press on because none of us here have made it yet. But we're on our way, amen. We're on our way. And Paul, he didn't focus on that pain and he didn't focus on, on that hurt and he didn't focus on, on man, everything that went wrong and, and what could have went, you know, and should have. And he focused on everything that was still going on, everything that was right. And, and there's a point that each and every one of us has to come to to say, listen, whatever might have happened, happened. I can't be stuck back there. I can't be stuck with what happened. I've got to go forward. I've got to keep continuing. I've got to keep going on, not just for my sake, but for those who are following me. And Paul understood that for all the Demases and all the Alexanders, uh, there were still Timothys there. There were still Tituses there. There were still Silases there. There were still Priscilla's and Tabitha's in the house of God, still in the fight, still in the race, still in the battle, still going forward. Amen. God uses us, church, in spite of us, somebody said recently. And I've always agreed with that God uses imperfect people to minister a perfect gospel. You know, we, 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 we might make mistakes. None of us here are perfect. We might fall short. We might have, say and do things that we might have to go back later and apologize for. It's okay. It's okay. Like Pastor Reggie says, we're learning. We're learning, amen? None of us here have attained or, or arrived. There was a preacher by the name of Henry Ward Beecher, and he said, the church is not a gallery for the exhibition of eminent Christians, but a school for the education of imperfect ones. Man, we're in school tonight, man. Take me to church. I mentioned Tabitha earlier, and the Bible says that she was a, a woman that was very generous with her time and with her talents. She used to sew clothes for the homeless. She had been around with Jesus. She had been part of the, the early church, and she understood the, 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 the value of gathering together. And church, I, I want to encourage you because this woman in the Bible made an impact in people's lives, and you make an impact in people's lives just by coming into the house of God, just by saying, you know what, I'll serve. You make an impact. You might just be saying, all I'm doing is ushering. All I'm doing is parking cars. Or all I'm doing is cleaning up. Or all I'm doing, it's not all you're doing. You're making an impact in the kingdom of God. 
I, my wife and I, this, uh, last week we were able to have dinner with this young uh, couple, and they're getting plugged in. You see that God is, is doing uh, something in their lives. And, 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 and the reason why we were talking, and I, I, I was grasping it, is that, you know what their, their kids tell them? Take me to church. They've got young kids, young children that love coming into the house of God. They love, they love the nursery. They love the Royal Rangers. And because they just are enjoying themselves so much, they have all of these questions. They've got this hunger and thirst for, for the things of God. And this young couple is like, we, we got to bring them to church. We feel bad if we don't take them to church. And they're coming in and they're listening and they're getting plugged in. And, and I say that to say this, uh, is that you all are taking the time to minister to these kids. Whether it's in the nursery, whether it's in the uh, uh, Impact Girls or the Royal Rangers or in the youth, uh, whether it's ushering at the door, whether it's up in the media team, you're taking your time to serve. And you're making an impact because people are coming in and they're being refreshed and they're being encouraged and they're being blessed. See, there's, I better hurry here. There's, there's value. There's the value of gathering to, uh, together. There's value in this church. What we do has value. We don't just come and, 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 and go through some kind of ceremony and religious service but God meets us here Let's see here if I can have a yeah if I can have the worship team come up you might be saying Brother Manny, you know, what do I do? What do I do in the house of God? Man? What can I do? Let's get through these doors. Get through these doors. You know, we always have so many things going on. We just had uh, a video with all of the different events taking place. You can come and help and be a part of the setup, the breakdown, the, be a part of the serving. The, you know, we, we have outreaches, outreaches where we go into the neighborhoods, where we go into the communities. You could be a part of that. Bring your family. Bring your teenagers. Let them see what this is all about. Uh, be involved. We, we could always use that help. Uh, we have prayer meetings. We have Bible studies. We have men's and women's events uh, that go on here. There's always something for you to be a part of. Be a part of when our special guests come. You know? Because they have something to say. They, they, and, and God uses our special guests to minister to, to some to people here. Because you might be going through some things. And the Spirit of God puts the mind of Christ upon them. And they come with the mind of Christ. And they come and they, and they release what God has given to them. We just had a tremendous family uh, seminar this past weekend. And if you weren't here... Go onto our YouTube page and watch those videos. How many here want healthy families? How many here want healthy marriages? I do. 
I do. My kids are grown, but I still want healthy children, spiritually healthy. I still want a healthy marriage. And I tell you what, man, there was so much gold in the messages that were ministered this past weekend. See, church, we can't take for granted the encouragement that comes from gathering together. We encourage one another. We encourage one another. And and, and in my opinion, this is the value. This is the value that's found in building relationships and building friendships as we labor and as we work and as we fellowship alongside one another. Friendships that, man, become brotherhoods. Because we're serving the same king. We're serving the the same father. And I really believe that when we get to heaven, it's not going to be because we're we're spiritual giants. It's not going to be because of of all of the the theology and the doctrines that we know. It's going to be because of the grace of God that he saved us from hell and that he saved us from sin and he delivered us. But it's also going to be because of the encouragement that we received from one another the strengthening and the building and the helping that we provided to one another. God God has given us the best church. He really, really has. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, says, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You know, I really believe that God has given us the best. He's given us the best spouse if you're married. He's given us the best kids if you have kids. He's given us the best grandchildren, amen? Right? He's given us the best. He's given us the best pastors, the best leaders, the best brothers and sisters. And we're blessed because of this church. We're blessed because of this ministry. Each and every one of us here could probably attain to how God met a certain need or did a certain miracle because of this ministry. I think about our men's home and our women's home when we had one. And those of you who came out of that, you know, you know what God did in your life through that ministry. And you know Probably only God knows where you would be if it wasn't for that ministry. Because he's given you the best, the best discipleship. And everything that is good in my life, it's come through this ministry. Because young, at 19 years old, I recognized the value of coming to church. I recognized the value of being amongst like-minded believers. I met my wife in this church. 22 years we've been married now. Faithfully serving God in this church. My children have all grown up in this church. Now they're serving. It's because of the open doors here. And I really appreciate all that God is doing tell you what get plugged in get plugged in get plugged in as our heads are bowed
and our eyes are closed tonight in the presence of God. 